0: If you only knew how much restraint I show in not dancing to that music, you would be so proud of me. (laughs) Love it, love it, love it. Great to see you all today. You look refreshed. You got an extra hour, right, of sleep. So glad that you're here. Wherever you're joining us from, uh, we believe that God is working in our lives, and by his grace, he's changing us. So before we dive in today, let me ask you a couple of questions. And since you are vigorous today with a little extra sleep, maybe, I'd love to see a show of hands on these questions. First of all, this is easy. How many of you regularly, regularly make decisions in your life? Can I see your hand? Come on. Okay. There are a few people who don't have a pulse. All right. All right. All right. Uh, How many of you, second question, and this one is really important, how many of you, like me, have made some really poor decisions in your life? Could I see your hand? Mine's up high. I've made some really bad ones. I mean, dumb decisions. Okay. I think today is relevant. We come today to the end of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount for 19 weeks. Wow. Wow we've been looking at what he had to say in his most famous sermon. And today, he's talking about the foundation that we build our lives on. And what we're about to see is Jesus tells this unforgettable story, and it's relevant to every single one of us. So let's start by looking at what he actually said, and then let's spend some minutes just unpacking it and applying it to our lives. So here are the words of Jesus as he kind of wraps up his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, if you wanna read the last two verses, they basically say that when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So their response was a big, wow, this guy has authority, he is speaking the very words of God. So here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew. and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But, But in contrast to that kind of person, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now, during this whole series, I've been reading what some of the most prominent Bible scholars have been saying as they try to understand Jesus. And I'm struck today that all the scholars basically approach this by looking at the similarities of the two builders and then their differences. So why don't we just approach it that way? Let's make it simple. What are the things that these builders have in common, and what are the things that are different? So let's start right here with this question, what these builders have in common. And they definitely have some things in common. First of all, this is pretty obvious, but they're both building a house. And we are too. Everyone builds a house, everyone builds a life, and the decisions that we make are the building blocks of our house. So, if we're gonna build wisely, there's some things we need to understand about decisions. Now, this may be shocking to some of you, but contrary to popular teaching and opinion, vision and dreams do not really determine your destiny. It is the triple D principle, and no, I don't mean diners, drive-ins, and dives. By triple D, which, uh, but I love that show. I want to go to some of those places and hang out and eat. That's what I want to do. But I mean by this triple D principle, this decisions determine destiny. Now, 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 up front, I'm not impugning the sovereignty of God here. I understand God's prevenient grace in our lives. I understand that he's the initiator, unless he's inviting and calling us that we can't even, I understand, I get it, I get it, I get it, but from a human perspective, decisions determine destiny. Now I'm a visionary, and I certainly have dreams for my future, but you show me a person who has tremendous vision for her life, but makes lousy decisions day by day, and I'll show you a loser. You show me a guy who has these awesome dreams for his future, but doesn't know how to make wise daily decisions, and I'll show you someone who's pretty much going nowhere fast. That's why today's message is so important, because decisions determine destiny. Show me your decisions and I'll show you your destiny. Now, some people really don't believe that, they want to dispute that. Just a recent example, 19 days ago, 19 days ago exactly, Dr. Robert Sapolsky, who is a professor at Stanford University, professor of biology and neurology, he's really a geeky kind of guy, you know, he spent about 12 years of his life living in tents, okay, uh, long story, but you can, you can Google him and look it up. And he says in his new book entitled Determined, subtitle, A Science of Life Without Free Will, Sapolsky says that all of our decisions are predetermined. Huh, Interesting. Now, I could say a lot about that, but let me just say this. The ethical implications of that view are staggering. I mean, because it's kind of hard to hold someone accountable for behaviors they had no choice in, right? I mean, how do you blame the terrorist or the rapist or the murderer if, after all, their every action was predetermined? And on the flip side, how do you congratulate the gold medal winner, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, or the philanthropist, if after all, their accomplishments were just blind luck, the hapless result of biological impulses and chemical neurons firing in ways they had nothing to do with? There's a phrase in the Bible, I hope you've run across, it says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And that describes so much of what is taught and championed in our world today. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. No, according to Jesus, decisions matter. They're real, and they determine our destiny. So, Since this is our last message in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm gonna launch into a whole new thing I'm pumped about next week. We're gonna talk about some issues that are super personal and relevant in our lives. We're just gonna continue exploring the Word together. I want us to quickly review, though, today some of the things that Jesus has challenged us to make decisions about in the Sermon on the Mount. For instance, you'll you'll recall these if you've been with us. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. It's a choice you have. You can either be a crotchety, litigious person who's hard to get along with, or you can decide to live peacefully with people. It all depends on you. Or how about verse 37? Simply let let your yes be yes, your no no. Say what you mean, mean what you say let your words mean something. You can choose to do that. Or how about this, Jesus challenged us in verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not everybody loves their enemies. There's some remote peoples on this planet who eat their enemies. They do, I'm not exaggerating. There are others who torture and execute their enemies. Many destroy their enemies. But Jesus said, you got a choice. If you're my disciple, I'm calling you to love your enemies and pray for them, you decide that. Or then Jesus really challenged us on who our, our audience is gonna be. He said in chapter six, verse one, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness, things like giving to the needy, praying, fasting, things like that, before for men to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. You decide that, according to Jesus, who your audience is gonna be in life. And then uh, how about this one? He said uh, in verse 20, do not but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. So make the choice as my disciple to store up treasure in heaven and to be a a generous person. And then last week, just last week, as a final example of what Jesus has challenged us to make a decision on, you remember that just last week he said, enter through the narrow gate. Why? Because you get to decide whether you're gonna be on the broad road or the narrow road. Which road are we going to take in life? Now, I just handpicked a few. These are just a few of the challenges that we've seen over the last 19 weeks, and all of them, all of those are utter nonsense unless our decisions really matter. So let's say it again, let's look at it again, decisions, determine destiny. They are the building blocks of our lives. Now, before we quickly move on to the next point, I just wanna make one big, huge caveat right here because I want you to clearly understand what we are not saying. What we are not saying is that the things that have impacted our lives were all our choice. Not saying that. Absolutely not. No, no, no. There are many things in our lives, both as children and adults, that have happened to us and we did not choose it. As I've often put it to you through the years, we get caught in the backwash of other people's decisions whether they were good or bad. So for instance, As a child, you may have been abandoned or ignored. As a child, you may have been abused or horribly mistreated. You had no choice in these things. And yet, these things shape us and impact us deeply nonetheless. So I hope you get the big caveat there. It's not that everything that's impacted us was our choice. Absolutely not but don't miss the big point here. Everyone builds a house, and the decisions we make are the building blocks of our lives, whether they're financial, or relational, or educational, or family-related matters, or spiritual decisions. All of these things are the building blocks for the life that we are living today. Some of them were wise, some of them were foolish, some of them were thrilled about, others were quite unhappy about, it, maybe even ashamed of. But they have helped shape the life that we have. Second thing that these builders have in common is that they both face a storm. Jesus is super clear about that, that both of the builders face a storm. In fact, I zeroed in on these two verses verses 25 and 27, because the words in both verses are identical. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. I wanna stress this again. The words are absolutely identical. Jesus is saying, no matter what foundation you're building your life on, you're gonna have some hardship and pain, You're gonna have some storms in your life. Now you need to understand something theologically. Just as God gives common grace to all people, common grace, meaning whether you're a believer or non-believer, you experience some good things from God. If you're breathing today, that's a gift from God, whether you're a believer or non-believer. Believers and non-believers experience blessings in this life but we also experience hardships in this life. Jesus said, God sends rain, what? On the just and the unjust. My goodness, atheists get cancer just the same as faithful Christians. Solid disciples of Jesus have children who rebel from their parents' teaching just the same as people who have no faith at all. Every life faces storms, and some of you—boy, you don't need me to tell you that—you're feeling it big time. Some of you are perhaps single today, and, and in your case, you would rather not be, and you feel the sting of that, and you feel the loneliness day by day. Some of you have lost a spouse, person. Your mate, your soulmate, the person you did life with, the person you journeyed with. And maybe, maybe you feel a little bit like the psalmist. Boy, this is, this, is quite a, this is quite a statement the psalmist makes in Psalm 88. He says to God, how is this for honesty? You've taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. What a powerful statement. Others, if you feel the winds blowing of this financial hurricane that's going on and it's pounding your house and you wonder, how am, I gonna, how am I gonna survive this economy? And the rain from this storm comes and threatens to knock out a part of your foundation and you're you're reminded, you thought you were over it, but you're reminded of how bitter you still are toward your former spouse who stabbed you in the back and betrayed you and let you down. I thought, I, I thought I'd dealt with, I thought I'd done the work and here I am angry all over again. And for many of you, one of the biggest storms you face right now, and I get it, is just a storm of worry. And the waters are rising, because here's the deal. You read the headlines, don't you? You look around at world events and you go, look, I have never seen a time when I remember more world crises that are going on right now. War in Ukraine, Hamas and Israel, China and Russia forging alliances. You look around the world and these tectonic plates of cultural change are shifting and you worry what the future holds. Friends, let's not kid ourselves. It, it doesn't matter which foundation you're building on. Every life has storms, and storms can be awfully, awfully scary. But let's, let's turn a corner now, because we've seen a couple of key things that these builders have in common, but but here's where the road diverges on this story. Here's where their roads begin to separate. What do these builders not have in common? The first thing is their foundations are different. See, here's where the stories begin to part ways. They begin to go like this. Jesus has shown us some of the commonalities, but, but believe me, folks, there is a huge difference between these two builders. And the foundation is crucial because in the final analysis, please hear this, it doesn't matter how beautiful a house you build, if you're building on the wrong foundation, you got a big problem coming. Debbie and I and our kids went to Italy on sabbatical in 2007, and it's it's what have you, do you have some of these memories that you just keep going back to with a smile and you just keep remembering the good time that you had together. It's the only sabbatical we've had. It was blessed. It was wonderful. Uh, we were we were exhausted and worn out after 14 years of slugging it out in ministry, and here we are having a blast on sabbatical. And one of the places we visited was Pisa. Now. If you know anything about the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's the most recognizable symbol in all of Italy. Not the Colosseum, not the Forum, nothing else. It's the most recognizable structure in all of Italy, 179 feet high, and as you know, it's leaning. And experts who measure these things say that it it leans a tiny bit more every year, about 120th of an inch. And and many of them say, look, eventually, eventually it's going to collapse unless there's major intervention on this thing. But do you know what Pisa means? I didn't. I didn't have a clue what the word Pisa means. But it literally means, if you look it up, it means marshy land. shouldn't that have been a red flag? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't, I mean, come on. Maybe they're like me. Maybe they didn't know what pizza meant. Maybe they thought, oh, it sounds like pizza. I like pizza. Let's build it here. I don't know what they were thinking. But you know what else is strange? The foundation is only 10 feet deep. way inadequate for a building that tall. And so, in hindsight, it's foolish, but I don't know why they built it there like they built it with only a 10-foot foundation. It probably seemed like a good deal, a good idea at the time. Now, when I'm studying the Bible, I like to look for interesting details in the story. And let me share one of the, to me, it's an interesting detail. If I were Jesus telling this story, I would, I would call the guy who built on the wrong foundation a wicked, debaucherous, depraved human being. But Jesus used none of those words for him. Jesus simply said that the guy building on the wrong foundation is foolish. He just called him Foolish. And I take away from that that you don't have to be wicked to be foolish. You don't have to be demonic to be foolish. You don't have to be a monstrous person to be foolish. In fact, some of the kindest, most likable, most charismatic people you've ever met, according to Jesus' definition, get this, would be foolish. Years ago, the church was very different, very kind of in the beginning years and just getting started. I, 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 I often met with married couples and I'll never forget one conversation I had with a couple, there's so many of them, but one conversation I had was with a couple that lit, they were literally fighting in my office, like screaming matches. Like, I thought, a, I thought a fist fight was gonna break out. I mean, it and was, It was horrible. And their story was so tragic because, I mean, there'd been infidelity and there'd been horrible communication. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, if they're doing this in front of me, what does it look like at home behind closed doors? And, and finally, when they kind of calmed down a little bit, and it was just a horrible situation, The wife looked over the husband and said, how did we get like this? He shrugged his shoulders and said, it just happened. They actually kind of nodded at that. Translation, translation. Here's what I think they were agreeing on. We didn't wake up one morning and go, you know what? We're gonna wreck our marriage today. Never said that. They never had a day in their life or a moment when they said, you know what? We're gonna go off the rails today and we're gonna flirt disaster. Didn't happen. They just had a little more leaning in the tower, their life they were building. They just had a little more drift, that's all. It wasn't a deliberate decision. Yeah, it just happened. And a series of bad building choices created a house they didn't wanna live in anymore. So I'm just saying to you, you don't have to intentionally decide to wreck your life for it to happen. Just drift. Just don't get intentional. Just don't worry about your foundation and you'll end up having one anyway. Just meander through life like a wandering generality and don't ever get serious about God or the things of God. And and trust me, you'll still have a foundation. It'll just be incredibly faulty. The wise person, according to Jesus, is the woman or the man who chooses the right foundation, one that's gonna last over the long haul. And I wanna tell you, I, I know a lot of people who are building on faulty foundations. Don't you? I mean, come on. its I know a lot of people, and their biggest charge in life is who's going to hook up with who on Bachelor in Paradise. Wow. That's, they just... They're just so into that, they're they're so charged up. I know some people and their most meaningful thing in their life is their sports team. Now, I love sports. I enjoy watching it, it's awesome. It can be so entertaining. But honestly, is that all you got? Really? I know some people And I'm telling you the truth, the most meaningful thing they have going on is what frivolous entertainment they're gonna find to amuse themselves next weekend. And if that's you, I'm not being mean. All I'm saying is your tower's already leaning. It's just a matter of time, and there's gonna be a collapse two different builders in Jesus' story, and they had very different foundations. And Jesus said, look, a solid foundation is those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice. And here's the deal. When we listen to Jesus' words and we seek to live a life that is pleasing to him and we're living that life by faith, oh, that's a really solid foundation. I like, I like the way another apostle in the Bible, James is his name. I like the way he puts it in his little letter toward the back of your Bible. He says, look, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do you know what I get worried about? You know what concerns me? Is that many of you regularly listen to me as I try to speak God's words from the Bible. Oh, I'm glad you do that. That's not the part I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is that it's just a ritual and a routine for you. And you're not really taking Jesus all that seriously. Because both of these builders had heard the words of Jesus, right? It's just that one of them put them into pra- practice, and the other one didn't. That makes a huge difference. And here's, here's my final word today. The future welfare. Here's another thing that's very different. The future welfare of their houses. Wow. Very different. You know, I, I don't understand Jesus as a preacher. I just don't get it. You know, I like to end sermons on a positive note. I wanna encourage people. I wanna wanna at least try to end with something that's kind of fun or uplifting or whatever. Not Jesus. He ends his most famous sermon of all time with the sound of a house crashing, crashing down in complete destruction and desolation. What a way to end a sermon. And here's why I think he did it, because he wants this question to be ringing in our ears. Here's the question. What foundation am I building my life on? And boy, if there's any, foundation, any question, I would want you to walk away from this whole series, these 19 weeks ringing in your ears, it would be that question, what foundation am I building my life on? You know, in just a few weeks, a number of magazines, periodicals, news sources, I don't know who first started this, I think it was Time Magazine maybe, or maybe Newsweek years and years ago. They began to publish every December, right toward the end of the year, they began to publish a list of famous people who had died that year. And so every year now, lots lots of people are doing it now, publishing lists, and they differ a little bit. But every year, I like to look at that list and I just kinda study that list of people who've died, 2023. You got business tycoons, you got rock stars, multi-multi-billionaires, movie stars, entertainers, innovators, politicians, writers, so forth, most of them are recognizable names. A few of them you've probably not heard of. They represent every conceivable race and ethnicity. They are young and they're old. People in their 20s are on that list who've passed away so young, some in their 90s, the rich and the poor, the educated and those with very little formal education, people of all different kinds of belief systems, theists and atheists and agnostics. One of the reasons I love to look at the list, it is so incredibly diverse. But here's what I know about every one of those people on that list that I read every year. Every one of them, every one of them has built their life on some foundation. And another reason I love to look at that list every December is that it's a vivid reminder, oh, I want you to hear this part, that it is distinctly possible to build an impressive house on a faulty foundation. Happens all the time. So let me be super blunt here in these final moments. Do you know that you can be a kind person without Jesus? You can be materially rich and prosperous without Jesus in your life at all. You can have an enviable marriage without Jesus. You can have a successful career without Jesus. You can build a life that people admire and envy. You can... You can make it through your whole life without being exposed as a foolish builder. And that's why Jesus' closing story to me is such a powerful one. Because he's not talking here about the storm of cancer or divorce or bankruptcy or having friends betray you. Oh, those storms are awful. Those are awful storms to have to endure. The storm Jesus is talking about in his final words is the big one. The ultimate storm of all storms that every person will face, it's the storm of death and judgment. It's appointed into a person wants to die and after that, the judgment. And that's the context here. In fact, that's the context of the whole seventh chapter of Matthew. It's all been about the theme of judgment, the ultimate storm of God's judgment. And according to our Lord, the only life that's going to survive that is the one built by faith on obedience to Jesus. And if obedience to Jesus is not the foundation today that you're building your life on, I implore you. I implore you to examine your life. Look at your foundation, please. And if you're building a life, that's not being built on the rock of faith in and obedience to Jesus, you got a storm coming that you're just not ready for. What foundation are you building your life on? Would you just bow for a moment with me as we spend a moment As the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, to you, as He's moving in our midst, the Holy Spirit is just taking the Word of God right now and driving it supernaturally home to hearts and souls and doing what only God can do. He's the only one who can do this. And as the Spirit is speaking to you right now, would you be honest with the Lord, would you be honest with him? And would you ask that question? What foundation am I building my life on? And if the Spirit just makes it clear to you that you know what? You've got such an impressive house going on here. Oh, it's enviable. It's awesome in so many ways. But you know what? You've got a storm coming that you're just not ready for because your foundation is not faith in Jesus and obedience to him. If that's you, and the Spirit is making that clear to you, right now, would you just say, Lord, please forgive me. I've just been wandering through life, not intentional. I wanna choose right now the foundation I'm gonna build this life on by your grace. I wanna choose you as my foundation. You are the solid rock. You are the only foundation that's gonna survive the storm of ultimate judgment. I choose you, Jesus. I choose you. Say that to the Lord right now. Father, thank you for those you are drawing, those you are preparing, and those where you've brought spiritual breakthrough even today, some even born into your kingdom, we give you thanks and praise for the immaculate words of Jesus our Lord and how you honor the word to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless. (laughs)